This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your trusty Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're kind of in that weird, awkward week in between the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. The Broncos, you know, they're not in the, the talking points. They're not in the headlines because they're an afterthought as it relates to the Super Bowl. So 2019 is all about trying to get them back into that conversation some way, somehow. But the Broncos are a topic of conversation, though, in Atlanta, reportedly, that, you know, the Drew Locke and all the the, the links to them and the quarterbacks, there is some in-league circles, some thought that they are going to go out through quarterback heavy. So the Broncos are still a thought. But in terms of being in the Super Bowl, yeah, you know, it's it was a bad season. Hopefully, hopefully they get back to that level of respectability sometime soon. Amen. We're going to talk a lot about that in today and tomorrow's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We got a lot to get to today, in fact, including a special VIP-oriented Mile High Mailbag. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Real quick, X out of the podcast app. You can still be listening while you X out. Open up Twitter. Hit at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you're following the show. It's a good way to stay engaged with what's happening. And also, if you want to get in on the Mile High Mailbag and you're not a VIP subscriber, that's your best way to do it. Find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. And then this is crucial, guys. Make sure you have taken time to leave a creative review, rate the show, give us a five-star rating, especially if the primary way you're listening to the show is on iTunes. Absolutely crucial. You want to help out a lot. Lately, I mentioned this last podcast, I've been getting a lot of questions from awesome listeners about what you can do to help promote the show, help grow the show. How can we help? That's the number one way. And then other than that, you guys, make sure you're any chance you get, you're sharing these episodes out on your respective social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, Reddit, whatever the hot new social app is that me being an old guy pushing 40 doesn't know about, share this out on that stuff. We need it. That's how you can help. So... Other than that, we uh, we got some stuff to dive into today, Zach. And in fact, while sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. 
Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's start with, real quick, it's not the most exciting thing, but let's touch on it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting burnt out about talking about coaches. But let's yes. talk about the hires the Denver Broncos finally got to on Tuesday, namely the quarterback's coach. The Denver Broncos hired a guy who has some interesting ties to the, the state of Colorado, uh, the University of Colorado, but a cat by the name of T.C. McCartney, you did the write-up on it. Tell our listeners about Mr. McCartney. Uh, you know, he's a young, up-and-coming coach. He was the grandson of the former, uh, you know, Colorado coach Bill McCartney, and it's a very interesting hire in the sense that he's so young, and again, it blends young, innovative concepts with old, traditional, conservative fundamentals. Under Vic Fangio, they have an older uh, head coach, an older defensive coordinator, and now a younger, innovative, cutting-edge coordinator and a quarterbacks coach. I like this hire a lot um, because it gives another voice in the room for Scangrel and lean on. It eases the transition and the install of the offense this year. It's a whole new scheme deviating from Bill Musgrave. So um, it's a young, up-and-coming guy, a relatively or majorly unknown hire, but I like it a lot from a legacy standpoint and um, a familiarity standpoint with the Broncos and Colorado. Yep, and it's another loss dealt to Kyle Shanahan, who lost his quarterback's coach, then lost another trusted assistant that uh, helped out with the quarterbacks, losing McCartney, but... It's exciting. It's fresh blood. I mean, with kind of the old guard that the Broncos have had guarding the quarterback position the last few years, whether it was Kubiak, whether it was Mike McCoy, then it was Bill Musgrave. And I'm, I'm not necessarily just talking about quarterback coaches, but like the overall offensive philosophy and the quarterback coaches as well. It's kind of been old guard. So this is exciting stuff. You know, you, the Broncos are turning the page. They're trying to catch up to some of the newer philosophies and trends predominating the NFL, but they're also keeping one foot in the age-old you know, concept that defense wins championships because yep. you have the entire NFL basically as kind of a trend. If they weren't hiring young head coaches, they were hiring offensive-oriented guys, for whether it was Green Bay, Cincinnati. Everyone's trying to jump on that, that train that, that left the station with Sean McVay down in L.A., which is understandable. And so the Broncos kind of took some flack from people I've talked to uh, in the NFL world at large, you know, from the outside looking in, kind of wagging their chins a little bit, going, what the heck's Elway up to? Why isn't he jumping on this? You know, Fangio wasn't exactly out there pushing his resume, and yet the two connected. And I still think that after all the research I've done, and you were actually the first one, Zach, that really drew my attention to Vic Fangio. And it was during Mm -hmm. one of our podcasts you know, a few weeks back, long before Fangio was ever actually named and hired. You drew my attention to Fangio, and at the time I remember feeling, just being honest, I remember feeling kind of lukewarm to the idea. And after I did some research on him, you know, I mean, I knew he was a predominant, uh, esteemed, preeminent, I guess is the word I'm actually looking for, 
NFL defensive coordinator. I mean, just go back to his time in San Francisco, what he did this past season in Chicago. I mean, I knew he had some bona fides. It's not that I doubted his X's and O's acumen and all that, but rather he's just never been a guy in throughout his entire NFL career that's been in these conversations each hiring cycle uh, when the, when the NFL finds the new head coaches. And this year it was a quarter of the league. And, and so you wonder, I've always wondered why. After the research I did, though, I, I realized this is a guy who – has been patiently biding his time. He was never going to push himself out there. And it just, he wanted to, he he was hoping to become a head coach, but he was waiting for the right team to actually find him based on his bona fides. All right, when I threw his name out there, I realized the Broncos were not going to really settle on a young first-time head coach. Again, they're not going to gamble on another Vance Joseph, another up-and-comer. They're going to go with someone with experience. And um, based on Elway's resume, he likes defensive-minded coaches and offensive-minded coaches equally. He doesn't really discriminate. He just likes who he likes. And I figured, knowing Fangio's personality, his take-no-BS, very old-school, kind of in Elway's generation, in Elway's era, they relate a lot. They're near the same age. They have a lot in common in that sense. And I kind of feel, I kind of felt like once they sat down and they hammered together what they want to do with the Broncos, their visions would align. So yeah, he was waiting for the right time. And honestly, with this Denver Broncos defense in place, with the talent they have and with the need they have and the culture change that they need, which aligns with Fangio's personality, what he brings to the table, it just was a perfect match. One thing I do want to say, though, about the, the recent hires of Scangarello and now uh, McCartney is, it, to me, it really shows that Elway respects Kyle Shanahan if he's plucking now two coaches from his coaching tree. And also the fact that what to me stood out, Chad, he zeroed in, or the Broncos did, on an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach on Kyle Shanahan's staff. They didn't leak interest in anybody else, interview anybody else. They, they locked in on those two guys. So it's obvious to me that Elway has been paying attention or has been listening to recommendations by John Lynch, his buddy. Um, I just feel like if he holds him to that high regard, you still wonder, though, why he never hired him in the first place. Right. And there's definitely some kind of a burgeoning relationship going on between Denver and San Fran right now. Oh, big and maybe, time. You know, chalk it up to the Lynch-Elway connection, chalk it up to the Shanahan-Denver connection. But it actually is could be a harbinger of another connection to come down the road because the San Francisco 49ers, I believe they currently hold the number two overall pick, if I'm not That's mistaken. Right. And they have their franchise quarterback of the future. And we know that Nick Bosa is probably going to go number one overall. And aside from him, there's no like – at least at this point in the pre-draft process, there's no like must-have prospect, non-QB prospect that a team look that's kind of still knee-deep in the rebuild, like the Niners. You would think just got to have this guy, so they would be a team, a prime candidate, even if they didn't have any connections for the Broncos to try and orchestrate a trade-up to get whichever quarterback they're in love with. And it might even be with all these back and forths that are happening. I mean, the Niners took one of the Broncos personnel guys a year or two back. Uh, the stuff that's happened with the coaching carousels, a couple of trades. I mean, there's, there's there's been some things cooking between these teams. It might be a harbinger of things to come as it relates to John Elway maybe even getting a somewhat favorable terms or deal to move up from number 10 and get that number two overall pick, which would guarantee him – which one of the top three quarterbacks, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, whether it's Drew Locke, or maybe even our boy Kyler Murray, if he ends up being that vaunted when the when the chips finally go down. 
It definitely absolutely feels like something's brewing there. And don't forget, uh, a couple off-seasons ago, they they practiced in training camp together, the Niners and the Broncos, and there were rumblings of a trade between the two involving maybe Trent Brown, the tackle. So there was always, uh, and also the Aqib Tlaib trade that that Tlaib vetoed. So Lynch and Elway definitely are on good terms, and they're within deal-making capabilities. And if they did want to make that jump, though, the Broncos would have to give up a lot regardless. If they want to go anywhere in the top 10 to the top five, the top three, the top two, they're going to have to sell the farm. But the only thing about Lynch, in a, in a good way for Elway, is maybe he would cut him a break a little bit. Maybe he would only charge him, you know, two second round picks, not three or right. whatever. Right. So there definitely is a good trading partner there. It comes down to, though, in the next, you know, the months ahead, is Locke a guy worth mortgaging in the future for? If he is, Elway, I think, would consider it, and he definitely, like you said, has a great trading partner in Lynch. Absolutely. I just think that this time around, you know, I wrote a piece that we're going to get into on tomorrow's episode. We're going to kind of dive into it a little bit. But I wrote a piece on Wednesday that was basically covering 10 mistakes of the past that the Broncos under Elway have made that they cannot repeat in 2019. And just kind of going through that, gathering my thoughts, you know, it kind of helps you focus a little bit on on the issue at hand and I continue to remain adamant that you know I know this isn't as top heavy in terms of quality of a class as 2020 as it relates to quarterbacks but I don't think that the Broncos have the luxury of waiting or trying to bide their time and roll the dice hoping that there might be an opportunity for them to get one of those quarterbacks next year because it's unlikely especially with the changes that have been made in the coaching staff, that the Broncos are going to be picking in the top 10 again. They're in striking distance now. The need is there now. So instead of going out and spending more money on a quarterback, instead of waiting till 2020 and grinding out another year under Case Keenum, this is the year they need to – I don't care you know, which one it is, honestly, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, whether it's Drew Locke, whether it's Kyler Murray even. I don't care. The Broncos need to go out and do whatever it takes to get one of these franchise-caliber quarterbacks or a quarterback that has that type of ceiling which I do believe Drew Locke has I do see that in him mm-hmm. I don't care what it takes if you got to give up a couple of second round picks if you got to give up a, even a first round pick next year if that's what it ended up taking to move up I know right now some uh, listeners sitting in your car whatever you're you just you know you're you're shaking your head going no the Bron- Drew, Drew Locke is not worth giving up a first round pick next year to move up but I'm telling you it doesn't matter how good your roster is. It does. I mean, Von Miller's the best outside linebacker in the NFL, right? Not enough to get the Broncos over the hump. The last mm-hmm. three years have proven that. If you don't have the quarterback, you're dead in the water. Notwithstand- I mean, you talk about coaching, 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 and I agree with you, but it's only going to get you so far without the most crucial roster piece in all of American professional sports. So that's why, I, oh, man, if the Broncos can work something out, I'm looking at the Niners as a prime trade candidate partner to maneuver and move up because if you look at it from their perspective they're they only have i think six draft picks this year i mean they don't have a lot of picks so they could stockpile some picks they're still in a rebuild mode very similarly to the oakland raiders so that it's a it's a win-win I'm with you on the quarterback theory that they take them so far, and that's the crucial piece the Broncos are missing. But I present two other scenarios that don't involve a a first-round quarterback. Maybe a trade in the second round with the Niners for someone like Greer or Daniel Jones. Or maybe they flip a third-round pick for Nick Mullins. 
who Scangarello just coached in San Francisco. So there is options out there this offseason for a young quarterback to come to the Broncos. And the 49ers, whether they they pluck one that's on the Niners staff right now or they want to move up in the draft to get their guy, John Lynch is, a, is someone who should have his phone very close by because I feel like Elway, and I think you also agree, Chad, will come calling on draft day. Yep, absolutely. We've heard uh, through our VIP grapevine that some uh, feelers have been put out there. The Broncos do, in fact, love Drew Locke, so they're exploring any and every opportunity to move up in the draft. Right now, you're not going to see anything coalesce if and when a move like that is made. It's probably not going to come until after the combine, and traditionally the way it works is it's usually done within the first couple weeks before the draft itself. So you're not going to see any movement on that front for some time yet, but I'll be uh, put it this way. I'm going to be surprised if the Broncos end up staying at pick 10 this time around, as opposed to last year sitting at pick five. I mean, again, Bradley Chubb was a great prospect, but the Broncos passed on Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and even Lamar Jackson. Now, Chubb came in, had a 12-sack season as a rookie. I mean, you could argue it was a, a historical season. I mean, he's now, Chubb, one of only 10 players in NFL history to post 12 or more sacks in their rookie campaign. I mean, that's phenomenal. It's unbelievable, but it wasn't enough, Zach. They got to get that quarterback. Don't forget, they were sniffing around a trade for Darnold, the number two on draft day last year. So quarterback was has always been on Elway's mind. He still wants that franchise guy. He's still looking for him. He really wants to atone for the Osweiler and Lynch mistake and the Case Keenum signing. He wants to find that young franchise guy. That's obvious now. He's not even hiding it anymore. Elway's interest in a young quarterback. Drew Locke. Um, I'm warming up to him being a franchise quarterback. I still don't think he's someone I would sell the whole farm for and mortgage mortgage the future for. But in this draft, if they feel like they have to take one, Drew Locke, to me, in that range, has to be the guy. Well, let's let's transition the show here. Well, in just a second, we're going to dive into the the Mile High Mailbag and take VIP questions, which are going to cover a lot of the same ground we're talking about here, but we'll get specifically to what's on your mind here in just a second. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so it is that time of week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests in each and every episode. We're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And especially, we want to go to the to what's burning on the minds of the VIPs at milehighhuddle.com 24-7 sports because you guys are the lifeblood of what keeps this whole circus going. Without your guys' support, we wouldn't be here today. Now, those of you who are sitting on the sidelines and listening to the podcast and reading the stuff, the content on the front page, we appreciate you too. If you want to do your part to support the cause, also get in on these VIP mailbags, go to the website, milehighhuddle.com. You'll see the green banner, join, click it, and you can choose monthly, you can choose annual, 
And from there, you'll get access to not only 100% of all the content we produce on the front page, but also you'll get access to the MHH Insiders Forum, which is where we drop all the pearls and nuggets we pick up during this time of season. From January till May is when we pick up the most information from our contacts in the scouting realm, front offices around the league, our contacts at Dove Valley. This is where we pick it up. This is the time of year you don't want to be missing out on all the insider information we come across. The way you get there is you become a Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports VIP subscriber, and then you hit the MHH Insiders Forum daily. You're going to see us posting the the uh, topics for the VIP mailbag on each episode, and you can jump in on that. So today's first question, Zach, comes from Paul826. He's been a VIP for one month. Paul's question is, does Kyler Murray fit our system in Denver good enough to even be considered, even though I doubt Elway would draft him? And then second, are you guys open to a podcast analyst combine to see if any of you, let's see, oh, I see what he's saying. Are you guys open to a podcast analyst combination or combine to see if any of you have franchise QB potential? (laughs) So he's, my bad, I misunderstood. Uh, let's tackle that that second one first, Zach. Right, should we maybe get together as analysts, have a combine, call up John Elway, and say, "Hey, look, put Jensen in. I'll be the, I'll be the franchise quarterback. Put Kelberman in. Let's drop some knowledge on the NFL." I don't think we could be worse than what the Broncos have trotted out there in the last couple of seasons. So uh, I'm willing to do it. Let's run the forty. Let's hit the bench press. <laughs> but Kyler Murray, what are your thoughts on him fitting? Denver system I mean just kind of take a look at what the Niners have ran over the last couple of years what we saw in week 14 this past season and do you think he fits any kind of prototype that would interest John Elway I think if Gary Kubiak was still around or had influence on the team still, he would fit their mold. But in Elway's book, uh, he likes tall, strong-arm pocket passers with plus mobility, and that's not Kyler Murray. He's a scrambler, Russell Wilson type. And we don't know enough about Scangarello's system just yet to, to make a determination, but I feel like they're not going to really go on that route. They want a bigger, uh, traditional franchise quarterback. That's why I feel like Drew Locke is Elway's guy, and that's why he's become reportedly smitten by him. Kyler Murray can be a great player in the NFL. I, I just personally don't feel like the, the Elway um, would look his way over someone like Drew Locke. Yeah, it's hard to see Elway getting smitten over a guy who doesn't have a lot to offer in terms of tangibles or you know, physical tools. He does have the arm. He's got a very strong arm, especially for a guy his size. But he doesn't check the other boxes that tend to wow John Elway. From an intangible perspective, that's where Scangarella comes in. He talks about toughness he talks about processing with the mind i'm not sure about the second one as far as processing information but he's definitely tough and even drilling a little bit deeper as it relates to intangibles i can't remember who it was now on twitter but a respected guy at least a guy i respect i'm pretty sure he was a draft guy but he was asked he was answering a question on twitter gosh i wish i could remember it now anyway he was answering a question on twitter from one of his followers about you know which quarterback do you see in this class being the franchise guy five years from now or whatever, something like that. And his answer was, let me put it this way. He said, if I had one game to play and I absolutely had to win that game and my only options are this year's quarterback class in the draft, my quarterback would be Kyler Murray. And I thought that was interesting. 
I mean, to me, that says more about this year's quarterback class than does Kyler Murray. I'm just not a big believer in him as a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and as it relates to the Broncos, I just don't feel like that's Elway's M.O. is to go in someone like his direction. He he can't afford any more gambles at that position. He gambled on Case Keenum, who's not a traditional franchise quarterback, both in stature and, you know, in, in tangibles. He can't gamble again. He, he'll fall in love, I feel like, with another traditional QB like Drew Locke, a six three six four guy. I feel like that's a direction he'll go. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I'd be surprised if Kyler Murray ends up would end up being the pick. But there's still a lot of ground to cover in the pre-draft process, including the interviews oh, yeah. at the combine, the actual results of the combine pro days. So we'll see how that particular issue shapes up as we get a little bit closer. Now this question comes from Jedi Joshua fifty eight, longtime listener of the show, one month VIP subscriber. His question is. I'm wondering about some options at inside linebacker, draft, free agency, whatever. I feel like we're going to need to add to that position, though, because I'm interested in seeing some seeing Fangio's defensive scheme take hold. And it's a good point that, that Joshua brings up that Fangio's scheme is very inside linebacker dependent. If you go back and just look at his last two stops in the NFL, and even this past year in Chicago, we had Danny Trevathan, and the kid uh, Roquan Smith from Georgia, the first-round pick, I mean, they were flying. They were probably the biggest. I mean, Khalil Mack, I know, made a huge impact. I'm not trying to sell him short, but my opinion is the, having those two inside linebackers off the ball, the way Fangio's defense is structured was more of a difference maker in that team being number one in so many categories than anything else. And you can even go back to San Francisco with Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis. So it's very dependent on that position. I'll throw some names out to you, Zach, of some pending free agents coming up in the NFL. Tell me if you like any of these names. I'll list just the names that jump out to me here. You got Preston Brown coming over from Cincinnati. You got Vincent Ray also from Cincy. You got old Manti Tail, the catfish himself from New Orleans. <laughs> C.J. Mosley's probably the crown yes, jewel. Yes, that's, that's my guy right there. You got Craig Robertson, who's a, who's a guy I was actually hot for a few years back when he was a free agent the first time going from Cleveland. He ended up signing in New Orleans, and now he's hitting the, the, the open waters of unrestricted free agency again. A couple other names here, Will Compton from Tennessee, Denzel Perryman, a guy that I covered at the 2015 Senior Bowl who was surprisingly short. I was taller than him, and I'm just under six foot. Those are probably the biggest names that jump out to me on the you know the unrestricted free agent market. And then in the draft, there's a couple of names, but the, the ones that jump out to me, at least with my current knowledge of this class, are first-round caliber that I don't want the Broncos to use a first-round pick on an off-ball linebacker this year. Devin White from LSU to me right. is, is the is the pick right there at number ten if they go on that route and I'm with you that I think that pick has to be a quarterback or cornerback inside linebacker at that point to me is a little too rich um, they could address it in free agency Mosley is my guy that's he would be a tremendous asset to the Broncos defense um, with uh, Todd Davis there uh, perfect you know t- combination I think he'll be resigned by Baltimore though and, right. and maybe someone like Preston Brown would, would be a, a cheap fix but they are moving on from Brandon Marshall uh, eventually before free agency they'll have Todd Davis there but one guy on the roster though that I think uh, Jedi Joshua asked me about on Twitter was AJ Johnson Alexander 
Johnson, mm-hmm. who's on the roster. He didn't get much playing time last year, as we all know. Maybe Fangio and Donaldson, maybe they can do something with him there. You know that Fangio's background is outside linebackers and linebackers. Yep. Uh, they have Reggie Herring. They have Brandon Saley, who they hired from the Bears. So there's a good core in place to develop a talent that they have. But, yeah, they're going to need an inside linebacker. If they go in the draft, Devin White in the first round, that's the guy that I would love. He's a three-down Roquan Smith uh, clone in that in that area. C.J. Mosley in free agency, that's the best-case scenario. Or maybe just develop someone like A.J. Johnson. I think those are the options for ILB this year. Yeah. So we'll see uh, We'll see how that shapes up. We move on here to Jacob Smith on the VIP mailbag. 29 months my boy's been a VIP subscriber, longtime listener of the show. Jacob's question is, how should the tight end and wide receiver positions be addressed this offseason? There's a wealth of unproven young talent at both positions. Emmanuel Sanders is the only proven commodity in that pass catcher group, obviously. So here's the thing with that is you got to – the Broncos have to – monitor closely the recovery and rehabilitation of Emmanuel Sanders' Achilles and then come to a relatively quick conclusion as to whether he's going to have utility in 2019. Are they going to be able to get any kind of value production-wise out of him and try and determine that before March 6th or whatever it is? But after that, you have really three really high-ceiling young uh, receivers that emerged last year in Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and then Timmy P, Tim Patrick, and then even River Craycraft showed some uh, utility there at the end of the season. So they've got some young – I'm not so much worried right now, Zach, about receiver depth, just to be frank, especially if you bring back Sanders and his recovery is on pace and everything. But the tight end question to me is a lot more salient because you've got Jeff Hireman, the number one guy this past season – hitting unrestricted free agency, and then two other guys who've been banged up missed basically the whole season in Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli. So I think that's the more crucial area that they need to address in free agency. And if that means, Zach, prioritizing Hireman as a guy that you bring back on a two- or three-year deal, similar to the deal that Denver paid uh, Virgil Green, instead of paying Julius Thomas when they both expired the same year because they were both part of the 2011 class, Denver chose to pay significantly less money to uh, Virgil Green, and it ended up paying some dividends for the Broncos. They won that Super Bowl uh, with him as a, as a you know, basically a, a sixth offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. That type of a deal, three years, you know, he's making six, seven million a year type thing. Uh, and then see what else is out there. Other than that, in the draft, my son is TJ Hawkinson. I love that kid yep. from Iowa. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, here's what I would do at receiver. I would monitor, as you said, Emmanuel Sanders. He's not going to be ready for week one, more than likely with that Achilles tear. But I would try to bring him back if possible, maybe restructure him. But they need a veteran receiver on the roster. So I'd keep him as the veteran guy and let the young receivers, as you mentioned, Chad, uh, Sutton, Hamilton, and Patrick and Craycraft all develop. I want the young guys to take over. I don't want any impeding veterans coming on the roster. So I would bring back Sanders if possible. If they don't bring him back, though, then I would um, sign or trade for a veteran in free agency, maybe a, a guy like Golden Tate or Tavon Austin, a mid-tier free agent, just a veteran presence in that room. At tight end, though, I agree with you. It's the more pressing need. 
I wouldn't bring back Jeff Hireman. I feel like they're not going to either with a new tight ends coach. I would obviously bring back Jake Budd and Troy Fumagalli. You have two young guys with big upside, but you cannot rely on them. Whatever you get out of them in 2019 is a bonus, especially Butt, who's coming off, what, his third ACL tear now. Yeah. I obviously would, would uh, acquire a veteran to put in that room if they don't resign Jeff Hireman. It's a pressing need, but I feel like the Broncos offense is not going to really flow through their tight ends too much. They have two young guys, but they definitely need, in both those departments, a veteran in that room if they don't bring back guys who are injured or free agents now. Yeah, and there are some names that are going to be out there on the on the uh, free agent market, but looking at them, they're going to cost some money. I mean, you got guys like Tyler Eifert, who's an injury case, but he's probably going to command some coin. Jared Cook, you got uh, Mercedes Lewis. I'm interested in Demetrius Harris from Kansas City. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I'm interested even in Luke Wilson from Detroit. So there are some names out there, but I love. I mean, if the here would be the dream scenario for me. If the Broncos got a quarterback in round one, and then somehow, some way, T.J. Hawkinson fell to round two, and they got the kid, one of the phenomenal tight ends at Iowa. Also, Noah Fant. You know, shout out to right. Nick Kendall, who's listening to this right now and freaking pumping his fist because he's a Hawkeye junkie. But that would be ideal. Uh, We'll see how it shakes out. That kind of ties into the next question here from CMCM91, one month of VIP subscriber. Welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. And his question is, which positions of need are best addressed in free agency and which are ideally addressed through the draft? Specific targets is his follow-up question for free agency. Now, the whole philosophy of John Elway has been traditionally to fill the immediate roster need holes through free agency so that he's a little bit more freed up in the draft to kind of go best, you know, uh, to stay balanced in terms of drafting guys who are both best player available at positions of need and not having to reach. Last year was a good example of that where he was able to stay Elway quite balanced in his draft approach. And we didn't see any reaches like we saw in previous years, in the, especially in the top three rounds. So that's kind of the philosophy which positions, Zach, of need are best addressed in free agency, which are ideally addressed through the draft. I mean, if I'm answering one one aspect of that, it would be, especially this year, do not go throw more money at a quarterback. It's yes. time to do it the old-fashioned way. It's time to do it the hard way and draft and develop one from a high draft pick. Amen. I think every position that they have to fill will be handled in free agency, and they're going to leave quarterback for the draft. That's I just think they're going to handle it. Uh, corner, safety, tight end, maybe a receiver, uh, offensive tackle with Valdir being a free agent, uh, maybe a center for Paradise, a guard. Um, they're going to handle all those needs, I feel like, on the open market and really leave the best player on the board at 10. And hopefully, if they come to that conclusion, it's Drew Locke. So yeah, they're going to attack their needs. They're going to pluck some veterans at positions where they, they have some younger players, like we mentioned, tight end and receiver, uh, cornerback, safety. Um, they're going to dabble a little bit. And, and I feel Elway is going to be aggressive. They're going to have a lot of money to throw around. After some roster tinkering, they're going to have you know, $50, $55 million at least in cap space, if not more. So that's a lot of money they can play with, and they're going to handle their needs on the open market and really leave themselves a position to grab that franchise quarterback, whoever it may be, in April. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Broncos, first thing you got to do is identify which of your pending free agents you want to try and bring back. And I know we're not, on the, we're not sharing a brain as it relates to Hireman, but for me, he's one of the guys I want to bring back, and specifically because I think I could get him on the relative cheap to come back. Mm -hmm. But the other guy is Matt Paradis. Like, if you look at the, the free agent center 
market. I mean, obviously, if the Broncos were to let Paradis go, they'd probably do so with the plan of having Connor McGovern continue as the starting center. But if you look at the free agent market at that position, you got an old-timer like Ryan Khalil, who was an all-pro in his prime, but he's kind of fallen off. You got Brett Jones, who, you know, he's he's an impressive player. Uh, Nick Easton, Mitch Morse, who's kind of similar to Matt Paradis in terms of his skill set, probably best served in a zone scheme. I think the Broncos are going to make a strong overture to get Paradis back, especially with Scangarello coming in with a zone kind of based philosophy and also with the knowledge that Munchak's coming back. I think that they're going to believe they can get him to that break through a ceiling and get him into the stratosphere. You, you have to. You have to do right by Matt Paradis and lock him up. I mean, what more do you want from the guy? He battled through double hip surgeries, every injury, didn't miss a snap till he snapped his ankle. I mean, you got, he's one of the best centers in the game when healthy, and he will be a pro bowler under Mike Munchak. He has to come back. He's the biggest free agent to me that I would prioritize. Uh, Domata Pecco's up there. Uh, Shelby Harris, I think, is a restricted free agent. He should be brought back. They have a couple guys, but to me, that list starts with Matt Paradis. It's a no-brainer. You have to lock him up. You got to do right by some of your players, including Chris Harris Jr. Um, it's just goodwill and good faith extended from the front office. Quick on that second aspect, some specific targets for free agents. We already talked about CJ Mosley, but also I like Bryce Callahan, the corner from Chicago. Adrian Amos was, I think that's his name, the safety. Sorry. I'm just having a brain fart from Chicago who also played under Fangio or a couple of uh, defensive guys that could fill holes, but also you got to try and see what it would take to get Landon Collins if the Giants end up letting him slip through. But we have a few more here left to hit, Zach, but we're kind of running long on today's episode. So let's rapid fire these bad boys and still make sure we get to everybody. Let's do it. This one comes from JC3762. He's going on 13 months as a VIP. Question is, with the Emmanuel Sanders injury, a player that I have been very high on is Andy Isabella, who was a star at the Senior Bowl. I was very high on him out of the gate, and when I watched him lay a beat down on Georgia, I'm even higher on him. What do you guys think of him? I think he's a stud. I mean, I, I he earned all kinds of rave reviews during the practice week of the Senior Bowl and then was just a stud and a star in the game itself. And to me, Zach, I know it's a different position, but he reminds me in terms of he's similar to me uh, type of player as Philip Lindsay that can make explosive plays in space and if you let him go to the New England Patriots, you're going to rue that decision in the AFC for a long time. Where he falls in the draft, I'm not sure yet. You know, We'll have to see how that coalesces and talk to Nick and Carl and Eric and see what they think. But I love the kid. He's a tremendous talent, a jitterbug, very explosive. I love watching him just for the reasons that you said, Chad. But um, I think he's going to bump his stock too high for the Broncos, and they're not going to prioritize a receiver that yeah, high. That's true. If you're spending a second-round pick on Sutton last year and a fourth-rounder on Hamilton, they have young guys on the roster. If they bring back Sanders, they'll – um, they're going to pretty pretty much ignore receiver for the first you know four or five rounds. If they don't bring him back, they're going to get a veteran because they have enough young guys. So as talented as he is, I just don't think he'll be a real, realistic target for the Broncos on draft day. That's really good point. Really good point. We move on to Kyle Heckman, been a, a VIP for 13 months. Kyle says, <clears throat> first off, love the podcast. My question is, if we pick up Locke or Jones, Daniel Jones, do you believe they should sit and wait a year? or just throw him into the fire like Baker Mayfield, would I would rather avoid another three-year Paxton waiting game. And my question, I'll serve this up to you to sink your teeth into, Zach, is 
I think the way the Browns handled Baker Mayfield is quintessential, and that's the way the Broncos should proceed if they end up getting a quarterback high in the draft, which is put him behind the veteran for training camp, put him behind for preseason, let the veterans start the season, and then a quarter of the way through, half the way through the season, the veteran knows, look, the rookie's going in, let him kind of get his bearings, and then trial by fire. If the Broncos draft Jones, they should set him for a year, then release him. I really hope they don't <laughs> draft him. I mean, I agree with you, though, the basic premise behind what you're saying. It, Drew Locke is, is the perfect way to go about it. Have Case Keenum start for the half of the season or so. If if an inefficiency or an injury arises, then you have the young guy coming in. Don't throw him in the fire. Don't overwhelm him. Let him learn. It's a new system with two young, up-and-coming guys calling the shots. So, yeah, I agree with you. It, it shouldn't be Daniel Jones, though. I pray they don't draft him. If it's Drew Locke, yes, yeah, send him behind Keenum him and uh, he'll eventually get a shot i wouldn't mind if it's jones in late round two round three but de- definitely not a round no, one. A number 10 no no no, way. no fly zone 21 25 question 13 months vip an absolute stud on the mhh insiders forum very engaged love you bro question is what positions other than quarterback will be our main priority in the draft do you see us drafting a corner or linebacker or getting one in free agency and with the Niners and the Broncos having close ties, could, ooh, could you see them swapping draft picks? Okay, he's trying. He's sharing a brain with us on this number two idea yes. uh, in order to get locked. So I'll serve this over to you directly. Your answer for no fly zone twenty one twenty five. I firmly believe right now, and it's so early, and like you said, there's so much of the pre-draft process to play out, but I firmly believe if they don't go quarterback at number 10, if they stay put, they're going to go cornerback, and you have Greedy Williams, you have Byron Murphy, you have DeAndre Baker, three names. It's a very top-heavy cornerback class, so they'll be able to get a good name there. Or linebacker like Devin White. Those are really the only options in round one if they don't go quarterback to me. I mean, it's a strong defensive line class, which to me, and again, Nick's probably shaking his head, is as so many studs at the top of the class, but it's a deep class too from what my boys are telling me, which means you don't need to take one high. You can get one later in the draft. So if they don't go quarterback, to me it's corner and it's linebacker. If you can get one of the top two studs at linebacker, um, the LSU kid and the Michigan kid. So we move on here. No fly zone. Nope. We move on to Studley, one of the sickest handles on milehighhuddle.com. One month VIP subscriber. Welcome aboard. Besides the quarterback positions, Zach, do you expect this year's draft to be more offense or defense heavy? I know it depends a lot on what happens in free agency, but I would like to see more offensive pieces taken in the draft and take care of the defensive holes through free agency. I absolutely concur with Studley. I mean, if you look at the Broncos, they have, they're one of the highest teams in terms of ratio of their salary cap invested in defense right now. They got to rebuild the offense. They got to get the, the offense out of the doldrums. And a big part of that, obviously, is getting the right quarterback, but also continuing to bolster the depth, continuing to find playmakers wherever you can get them. Yeah, I'm with both of you on, on, on both counts of those. I feel like it, it's a, it's definitely a defensive heavy class, in my opinion, with, like you said, the linemen, uh, the cornerbacks, the safety, some of the linebackers. But they're going to use the Broncos a lot of free agency to fill their offensive roster holes along the offensive line, uh, maybe a receiver, tight end. Uh, and I really think they're going to leave quarterback for the draft. So, yeah, they're going to use free agency, and I, I agree with it, to fill their holes, their biggest needs. But you're not going to find a franchise guy on the open market. You've got to hopefully get that guy in the draft and I feel like that's why they're going to leave themselves the opportunity to draft you know Locke or Haskins or hopefully not Jones all right two more and then we're out of here from Trent Williamson 73 months 
a VIP subscriber. Absolute stud. Question, are there any early indications of who John Elway's top targets might be in free agency? Now, I put out some feelers when I got this question earlier today, and up to this point, I haven't heard anything back. So I haven't heard anything, Zach. Maybe we should put a pin in this particular answer. And as soon as we do hear something, I, again, I put out some feelers to people I know around the league, and I'm waiting to hear back. As soon as I get anything for you, I'll answer that question because I haven't really heard anything other than position kind of oriented, not so much player. Yeah, it's a little too soon in the process, especially with some of the college stuff flaring up in the Super Bowl. I will say, though, keep an eye on the the, the group of Bears free agents that are going to hit yeah. the open market, obviously with Vic Fangio, Callahan, Amos, and also Eric Cush, the guard they have, very capable guard uh, who they can plug in there if they lose uh, Ronald Leary. All right, last one from Bronco fan. Five 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 five. Longtime VIP subscriber. In fact, he predated me joining Scout. He was he's been a, a subscriber, premium subscriber for a long time. Helps out a lot on our message boards. Also as a moderator. His question is: Doesn't Elway have a history of playing his cards close to the vest? That is why I wonder whether Drew Locke is really his guy, since this has become a now disclosed secret. Is this just? A, an example of misdirection, and if so, who else could Elway be targeting for QB? As everyone knows, that it is what the Broncos need most. I don't think I think it's real. Cecil Lammy is of the opinion that January is when you get the best information in terms of buzz that comes out of you know the the college all star games leading up to the combine, and then after the combine, everything's smokescreen. So. He's of the opinion anyway, and, and Cecil's been covering the draft as an analyst going to those All-Star games now something like 12 or 13 years straight. Uh, he knows his stuff. I respect him a lot. I tend to uh, kind of defer to him on that topic. So I believe that the Broncos are absolutely in love with Drew Locke at this point. It's 100% real. And Elway has been transparent the entire offseason, strikingly transparent, going against character transparent with Vance Joseph, with Vic Fangio, the mistakes he made in the past, even when he labeled Case Keenum a short-term fix. That is openness that Elway would never have shared in the past. He's always been tight-lipped. And this offseason, I think he's faced enough criticism and swallowed enough pride and had enough egg on his face where he's been a little more transparent than usual. It's been a trend, and I think this smoke, there is a fire attached to it. I think the love with Locke is real and Elway will target him in the draft. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, you can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you're also following the show's account at Huddle Up Pod. Do your duty, leave a creative review, rate the show, five star review. Make sure you're subscribing, y'all, because we are daily. Zach and I will be back with another fresh episode for you on Friday, and then, of course, Building the Broncos will return with a fresh episode on Saturday. So stay tuned. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.